Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Zagna joined, as always, by 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And he's been a very busy man the last couple of days, making his way through Alligator Alley to IMG Academy, braving the streets of Florida <laughs> to watch a little ball and bring us his insight. Andrew Ivins, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Yeah, I had to explain to you and producer Lance that alligators can cross the road and you can hit them at very high speeds. And it's a uh, quite the scene when you come across it on the uh, alligator alley. Well, we also learned about deer key this morning. Key deer. Key deer. Yeah. Another Florida term. Florida just seems like it's its own little country. It is. Well, the keys, the keys try to become their own country at one point as well. <laughs> a lot going on in Florida. Big fan. Big fan. I love Andrew. Andrew every weekend. He's telling me something, whether he's getting pulled for jury duty or whether he's a, a witness to something, whatever it is. Andrew's in the mix. There was a, you're, trying to, you're, you're trying to live up to the Florida man mentality. There was, yeah, there was like a plane crash, like a single prop plane crashed in Broward County yesterday, too. I saw that all over in, in social media. Just wild times. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on in football, too. I don't know how to transition from that, but we'll talk about IMG at its annual spring inter-squad scrimmage. Andrew, on Wednesday night, you were there. Close to 40 different colleges in attendance. Ohio State, Brian Hartline, Larry Johnson, Texas in the house. Tashar Choice, Bo Davis. Oklahoma there as well. Todd Bates, Bill Biedenbaugh, Miami, Alex Mirabal, Tim Harris. And you can't forget Georgia, back-to-back -back national championships. Stacey Searles, Fran Brown, both there in attendance as well, and I'm sure many others. Drew, as you wrote here in your great rundown on 247sports.com, 20-play, full-contact scrimmage. 30-minute warm-up period as well. Andrew, we're going to get into it. We're going to dive into it player by player. But uh, overall, your initial impressions of what you saw in Bradenton, Florida last night. Um, saw some dudes, right? You know, we're trying to find like the top of the top talent in this class. I think the term I use, you know, there's not a lot of like certified stamped dudes out there. And you see David Stone, the five-star defensive lineman kind of have his way against a offensive line that features a bunch of FBS and power five guys. And it's clear. I think he's one of the top talents in the country, right? One of the guys we feel the best about. Um, he was the alpha dog, if you want to call it. I, I didn't really do top performers, but when I was driving home, someone texted me, Hey, who's the dude at IMG? And I was like, all right, like, I, I do think people care about that. Like who's, Who's the guy this year? And it's clear it's it's David Stone. Um, 
he kind of had his way. Uh, I thought he looked a little bit bigger, but maybe that's because he was in pads, right? The last time I saw him was IMG's Pro Day, and we've seen him on the camp circuit. But he's good, um, and a lot of those schools on the sidelines were there to see him. And I don't – I mean, this was, I guess, my second spring scrimmage slash jamboree of, of the eval of period. But I've been kind of hearing just working the back channels that schools like aren't really sending as many re- like they aren't prioritizing these type of games like they used to. It's, it's more of going to practices. So I thought it was notable that there was that many college coaches on the sidelines. Probably get more from a live rep standpoint in terms of what you get at practice and you know seven on seven, 11 on 11. You get to see the pads pop a little bit more. I mean, I think in these settings generally you don't know what's going to happen ellis robinson the five-star top five player in the country he was sidelined did not participate in the scrimmage um david stone andrew i i think you were able to shake loose uh some breadcrumbs of information of what his summer might look like in terms of official visits and potentially when uh a commitment date could come yeah i um i was a, a shadow in the media scrum, right? I mean, there was a ton of reporters there for various team sites, um, but I had to uh, send some audio off to people inside the network. And David Stone, man, he did his best to keep a poker face and not reveal any of his visits, but I'm a smart guy and I I caught him slipping up a few different times. It sounds like he's going to be at Oklahoma, I think the second weekend of June, or maybe it's the third weekend, Miami the first weekend. Uh, sorry, Florida the first weekend, Miami the second, and then likely Oregon. And he also said Wisconsin's in there, Texas A&M's in there. A bunch of schools are fighting to get him on campus. Oklahoma's the crystal ball leader, right? He's a kid from Oklahoma. Uh, when we had Colin Kennedy on the podcast, he, he mentioned how many visits the kid, how much time the kid has spent in Norman. I, I mean, hard to get a read on which way he's leaning. Sounds like he... Whenever he feels like the time is right, he's going to make a commitment. Um, I just came out of there finding it interesting. And Coop, I, I want to know if you agree with this, that like Dan Lanning and Oregon are in this thing. They're in the mix. I mean, they're they're in the mix. As it pertains to David Stone, it seems like they're in the mix for a handful of prospects nationally, especially at the point of attack. And they did a, they did a good job last year, but I think it was more – west coast focused and now going into year two i think now that they've had time to establish themselves get their feet under them it's not surprising those relationships kind of take hold a little bit you got tosh lupoy up there who is a relentless recruiter so david stone dylan stewart some of these more national recruitments where i think you know especially when you start thinking about these img transplants to me, those guys aren't as tied in geographically, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. And I don't know if Bud Elliott kind of first hypothes- hypothesized this, but I do think it's true. Usually, if a kid comes from a different part of the country and arrives at Bradenton IMG Academy, which is you know just sold for, what was it, $1.2 billion or was it 2.1? Like those kids will tend to return and sign with a school in their home region, right? Like where they're kind of from. And I think you're taking a 15, 16, 17 year old, right? You're pulling them away, putting them in a college environment. 
So it makes sense that they want to kind of go back towards home, right? They're missing their junior and senior years of high school. Um, at IMG, they, they kind of live in dorms. I mean, I don't think it's that great of a student experience. So I, I, like if Oregon was able to pull David Stone, I, I think that would be quite the statement just because like Oklahoma seems like the layup, if that makes sense. I think it's notable they're in there because it seems to me that, you know, people, I don't want to say people forget, but I think it's a good reminder how well that Oregon closed last year. A lot of big recruitments and some, they were on the other side of it. Nicholas Harbor was one that went down to the wire between Oregon and, and South Carolina. The other one was Peyton Bowen, where it looked like the Ducks had that one secured. He ends up at Oklahoma. And then Roderick Pleasant, between USC and Oregon, he ends up signing with the Ducks. So that was really their, their big one. And then Young Concrete, Mateo U, right? Another big one for Dan Lanning and the Ducks. So if you're Oregon, I think all you can do right now is just hang around, hang around, get them on campus, win football games, and try to ride the wave of momentum. And then hopefully you're still knocking on the door when it's when it comes time. Yeah. And I think Dan Lanning understands and he understands the the importance of just keeping the keeping the the back door cracked. One more school that I think I, I don't know. I mean, I've interviewed David Stone a lot, been in part of these media scrums, but they aren't talked about in the recruitment and maybe they really are an outsider, but it's Wisconsin. And, you know, he, I think his uncles played basketball there. I don't have his profile pulled up in front of me. Um, he attended games there as a kid. He told me after the game that his mom loves Wisconsin. I think that's obviously because of the family ties, but I tried to ask David like, Hey, is it different now that Luke fickle is there? Like has the pitch changed and anything? And I don't think he really understood the question, but, I'd be interested to see if they ever got a visit, right? Because I think Luke Fickle and that staff involved in that recruitment uh, would make Wisconsin much more attractive. I mean, when when was the last time Wisconsin was involved with this high profile of a player from this region? Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, I, I think Wisconsin, it's kind of like Iowa. They they target a certain type of individual and and – I had an Iowa coach tell me this recently, like we want the guy that has the the code to the weight room memorized. And I'm not saying David Stone's not that individual, but they're looking kind of for the blue collar, not the high profile recruitment, right? The guy that wants to come in and work and David Stone is his recruitment is not that right. I mean, he can't even tell us where he's taking an official visit in June uh, unless you pry it away from him. But there's a there's an area for of growth that still needs to take place for Wisconsin, and what I mean by that is like Luke Fickle has one of the best player development track records in all of college football, especially two years ago when they have nine players drafted, University of Cincinnati. He's done an exceptional job there, so I would not be surprised to see Wisconsin kind of throw throw their name and 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 more of these recruitments just to try to get involved and maybe take inventory of the response that they're getting. But I think they need to do this because I think it's important because I, I would not be surprised if Wisconsin's a team 
that's surprising people in the fall. And they're ahead of schedule. And we and we said by year two, I mean, this is a team that we fully expect to compete in the Big Ten. He's a phenomenal coach. I mean, I'm all in on him. So I think all he's ever done is kind of exceeded expectations. So be interesting. I think we'll, we'll start hearing Wisconsin's name a little bit more. Andrew, another name uh, that seems to be making the rounds here, especially on the on the defensive line board, Jaden Jackson. You know, you kind of mentioned that, sure, there are a lot of eyes on David Stone, one of the best players in the country, number one ranked defensive lineman, or excuse me, not number two ranked defensive lineman according to the top 247. But Jaden Jackson, I mean, he's got the likes of Ohio State, Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Miami, uh, bunch of schools that we talked about were there in person what was your takeaway on just seeing him live second i mean well i guess i saw him last season saw him at the pro day i mean he's a he's a two-gap player that has a naturally low center of gravity has the leg drive um and i mean you noticed his jersey you noticed that that long flowing poly hair coming out of the helmet right um he, he he made an impact and i i don't know if it's if it's the market for that type of player right i think a lot of schools are looking for those guys that can can play on the inside um can clog up running lanes allow running backs to run free and from what i've gathered all five of those schools that you mentioned and 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 steve wiltfong has brought this up as well like they covet Jaden Jackson. Um, I heard some some chatter that he's you know top of the board for for Texas and, and Bo Davis who was there. Um, and I think what kind of the X factor with with Jaden Jackson is, is this is a kid who you know isn't all about like the photo shoots and uh, you know all that other stuff. I talked with the coaches at IMG and. Um, He's kind of like one of the team leaders, and those guys emerge every year at IMG. It's obviously a revolving door of talent. Jordan Hall, the linebacker that went to Michigan last year, he was kind of that voice of the defense. Um, but I think Jaden Jackson is is kind of the dude that a lot of people in that locker room look to, and he's got a unique story um, of Samoan descent, grew up in Utah, moved to Indianapolis, started his prep career off at Ben Davis there, played i think he was kind of getting some all-state recognition i think he actually played a lot some offensive line too now he's at img academy i think he's going to take official visits to all five of those schools and i think he's going to make a commitment and i think he's going to be done right i i don't think it's a kid that's going to waver back and forth and my theory is in the current landscape of college football you can find that type of individual it's a lot more attractive right it's a lot more attractive to go all in on that guy early on, try to get him committed, and then invest your time and resources elsewhere. I think that's a pretty interesting nugget because, you know, you talk about, all right, this is a guy who's not kind of interested in the extracurricular of everything recruiting is today in today's society. I mean, for coaches to hear that, see that in terms of the intangibles, I mean – that will drive a guy's stock up the board in a hurry because that I mean, player is one in every 10, right? He's the minority in, in, in today's game. If, if you were running a recruiting department, right, your coach called you, 
told you that i mean how would you react to like you'd be okay yes well all things equal right it depends on the talent level of the player but i know like hey if, if we got three or four guys that we're trying to figure out and differentiate which one we're going to take at the same position and that's a standalone quality that just that player has absolutely because now you're talking about what's between the ears and the intangibles of the player. And to me, I think that really sets the floor of the player. Chris Peterson used to say all the time that he, he believes talent sets the floor. I love Chris Peterson. I kind of disagree with him there. I think it's character. I think the character of the player sets the floor, and then the talent ultimately at the end of the day is going to set the ceiling. But in, in, in the case of a guy like Jaden Jackson, to me it was like, Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes, we had so much conviction in those two players because they were professionals. You know, both those guys had bloodlines. Justice Haynes' dad played in the NFL. Caleb Downs' family just surrounded by it, right, his entire life. So when you have guys like that, it, it just makes it so much easier to say, give me the player that is not going to give me headaches. And I know, like, these little things in terms of, like, timeliness, maturity, being a positive force in the locker room, not being a locker room lawyer, those things add up. So obviously you want to make sure that you're acquiring the talent. But yeah, if you're if you're checking all the other boxes, it, it makes it quite an easy decision, which Andrew, we talked about the lack of big bodies, right? At the defensive line position. I think we're going through that right now as we try to reorganize the top two four seven. So yeah, if you have a player with the combination of everything you want off the field, I think it it makes it evident that that guy's going to be a priority for a handful of programs. Yeah, someone someone people are going to stand on the table for, right? Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Okay, I'm pretty excited to talk about this next guy, Jordan Seaton. By way of Washington, D.C., we have him ranked as the number 149th player in the country, the number six interior offensive lineman, Drew. 6'5", 290, estimated. That's kind of what he is hovering around at right now. You sent a picture last night before the scrimmage even started. I could not believe that is him. It, it seems like he has gone through a total body transformation since he's gotten IMG. That's on like the same scale of like Jaheim Otis at Alabama. He looked yeah. apart, and I actually really like the tape. Yeah, and it is a um, it's a down year for I think offensive. I mean, I don't think it. It's a down year for offensive linemen, right? 
And um, I was talking to college coaches that recruit the offensive line, and, and they agreed with me um, last night on the sidelines talking about how the 2023 cycle is is was way better than this 2024 cycle. So you show up to IMG Academy, Jordan Seaton. This was his for the first time we've seen them, seen him there. And Seaton is a kid I saw at the FBU All American Bowl. Saw him at uh, Baltimore Under Armour camp two years ago. Saw him in his season opener as a junior when they his team he was at uh, St. John's played at St. Thomas Aquinas. He did, and then when I saw him last night, did not look like the same individual at all. Um, he aced the eye test, eye catcher, whatever you want to call it. He has leaned out. He is, I mean, we don't have the measurements, but he's 6'5", and he looks athletic. He moved well. He got into his stance, got out of his stance. Um, as they were kind of doing like the one-on-ones, you know, at, during warm-ups, I mean, it was a collection of who's who, uh, offensive coaches. I saw a few camcorders out there, so – uh, Georgia had Stacy Searles with the camcord, you know, getting the live reps. It, it looked pretty dated. Couldn't pull the number off it, but he he was videoing it. Um, Seton started. He got the nod at, at left tackle, which is notable. I mean, he's new there. Uh, you have Jimothy Lewis, another offensive lineman uh, who can play some tackle. I thought maybe he would be the team's left tackle, but no, it was Jordan Seton. And um, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about him. Right. And I think a lot of schools are. I think he's a guy that's probably as coaches go out and make the rounds and and check people out. He is someone that's going to be pushed up a lot of recruiting boards around the country. And I think for good reason. Quick twitch, explosive. You see it on tape. I think the biggest question you had on tape is just the body type. It was a little bit sloppy. And like you said, I mean, once you kind of sent that text last night, I was like, I cannot believe that's him. Many lean, muscular frame. He looks Andrews. like a co- he looks like a college lineman, does he not? He does. And it's funny because you told us a story <laughs> about how you asked him, like, "Hey, how'd you lose that weight?" I can't. I don't know if he was being serious, man. I was like, Jordan, the last time I saw you, I mean, you were not. Well, he claims he's around two hundred eighty-five pounds. I'm like, what'd you do? And he looks me dead in the eyes. And he says, I ate one meal a day and I ran a mile every morning. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, number one, I don't know if that's really like really healthy. So I was like, like intermittent fasting. Like, is that what you were doing? And he kind of nodded his head. I was like, what was the meal? And he's like, oh, fried rice. So, and I'm like, I don't like know if that's kind of the proper nutrition either, but whatever he did has worked. Um, and I try to pry some recruiting information out of him. Sounds like Alabama and Georgia could get official visits here in June. He said he's going to take two of them. And then he also brought up Miami, Florida as well. He really likes how Florida has their offensive line coaching situation set up, you know, with the two coaches. Um, I'm sure Florida's probably being like, hey, Osiris Torrance, man, you know, we, we did it with him. Uh, and Osiris Torrance, what was he like 360 coming out of high school? Um, so we'll see. We, we right now we have Seaton listed as an interior lineman. I guess we got to go back and kind of find some measurements, but he's probably someone that I think could be a a swing tackle, right? Probably could play multiple spots in, the, in that starting five. 
The other name you brought up, Jimothy Lewis, originally from Mississippi. Andrew, he's one of those guys right now. You kind of you turn on the tape, you see the flashes, you see the physical traits, you see what's in his body, and then a down year at the tackle position, he he leaves you wanting more a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And we got him right now slotted middle of the third round, number 83 player in the country, number six offensive tackle. These guys scare me a little bit. And it's not to say that Jimothy Lewis won't be a good player. I mean, you you see it on tape. You just wonder from a consistency standpoint, can that light bulb come on this upcoming season? Now, did you see – I know you kind of you, – you talked about it briefly, but, you know, are you hopeful that, you know, this is a guy that can put it all together in his senior season? Oh, I think he still needs time. I think the frame – the lateral movements are are certainly attractive, but uh, he wasn't part of the initial starting lineup, which I think is uh, it's spring football, right? I mean, I, you read into that however you want, but he didn't really get a ton of run last year at IMG, which makes sense. I mean, they had more quote unquote dudes, uh, Francis Mauagoa, or as all the IMG kids call him, Cece. I kept having to remember that that's what they call Mauagoa. Uh, they had some other guys, so. I mean, I I think he's going to be – someone's going to take him. I just think he's going to need some time for sure. He's a fascinating one as we reorder and reorganize the the top 247, Jimothy Lewis. And, Andrew, I feel like you, you'll probably be back at IMG at some point during the season, I would imagine. Yeah, they got a pretty loaded schedule. I don't – I mean, I'm sure they've told me who they play, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. Um Everyone wants a piece of IMG, though. Drew, sticking with 2024 before we move above and beyond, Jarrett Gibson, the top running back, according to the top 247 right now. We don't have a running back included currently in the top 32. As of right now, going through that position, I'd have a hard time seeing one emerge as a as, as a potential five-star candidate, but Drew, limited limited exposure, uh, three touches, 25-plus yards for Jared Gibson. Anything to take away there? He looks more physically developed, like he's add some, added some body armor in the upper half. The highlight of the night for him was kind of took a, a run up the middle, um, bounced off a tackle, and then dragged defenders, probably a gang of defenders about, six seven yards um you know it's just hard it's it's been a hard evaluation on Jarek because img rotates these running backs and last season i mean he did not get a ton of burn right he did not get a ton of 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 mileage and and usage um i think we 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 like him is he the number one running back in the country i i don't know um I think there's some other guys out there that are are challenging for that pole position, but uh, you know he did catch a pass out of the backfield, and uh, I think the ability to catch the football is something you got to note with him, uh, with Jarrett Gibson, and and he's 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 pretty explosive on the recruiting front. I had, you know I asked him about his visits. He initially left one of the top five schools off. I can't remember which one it was, but. Going to get to Tennessee, going to get to Texas. The shard choice was there. The running backs coach who developed Bajan Robinson, 
Got Cedric Baxter there. He was in attendance. Uh, Georgia's also in there. We mentioned they had the coaches, Tennessee, uh, and then Florida. So it's Florida, Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, and Miami. Miami's also going to get a visit. And I think he wants to announce here uh, in in this summer at some point. The other back, I mean, just judging from your, your writing, I'm getting to know your writing uh, style pretty well here. But it seems like the guy that you're most excited about in this entire article, 2025 running back, Anthony Rogers. <laughs> well, I talk with the college coaches right, or with the, the IMG coaches. I mean, I, I know them and I think he got the start at running back. Um, IMG has had a lot of notable ball carriers come through that program. Uh, Katron Allen, Noah Kane, Trey Sanders. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, there's probably plenty of more. And the staff there seems to to like him a lot. And he's on the smaller side, but he, he can go and he can find some green grass. So I it'll be it'll be fun to see what he looks like this season. I mean, 2025 play scrimmage. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of flow to it and, and they're rotating guys in and out. I mean, but uh yeah, I mean they they feel good about him. They don't really stamp prospects like that. I mean, it's not it's not a ton of bullshit when you kind of ask the right people, but um, they 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 made it seem like he was the best all spring for them in camp. Drew, you and I talked about making a promise to each other to try to make these shows a little bit shorter. <laughs> so we're gonna rapid fire here. We got a little bit of an NFL legacy in the picture. 2025 top 247 linebacker Nathaniel Owosu Boteng. Right brother, pronunciation? Yeah. Brother played at Notre Dame now with the Cleveland Browns. Second round pick, or was he a first round pick? Was not a first round pick, I believe. He, I, I'm not even sure if he went round two. No. I'll double check on that, but you keep talking. Um, He's another new face at IMG Academy. Comes from DeMatha Catholic. Uh, we put him very high in the rankings. I think we all liked him. Didn't have a ton of information on him, which is the case with a lot of the rising juniors. But his his sophomore cut up, his sophomore tape is is primarily him just rushing off the edge. Um, so it was encouraging to see him play more of an off ball linebacker role. I, you know, he's got a ton of range. He's probably six two, um, and he's probably two hundred and five, two hundred and ten pounds. He's not he's not a big dude, but you can, there, there are definite homes for these type of guys that can match up and run. So, um, encouraging, you know, feedback to see him do that. Uh, IMG also, those coaches talking him up a bunch and a guy that has a ton of options already. Just visited Miami, Notre Dame's in there. Um, wouldn't give me much out, outside of that. I, I was like, you know, where do you want to visit? Oh, I want to visit everywhere that wants me to visit. I'm like, okay. Um, so I, I really have no idea what direction that recruitment's going, but he was at Miami and he is talking to Notre Dame. He's aware that there is no cap on official visits anymore. Yeah. Can you it, blame him? You know, it was interesting because I also um I also hit up Clearwater Academy International, which is I'm gonna write a story about them. It's it's kind of like a a, a mini IMG, right? All the international kids go there. You had Isaiah Hastings two cycles ago. You had Lucas Simmons last year. Now you have uh, Jason Zamandella. 
and a bunch of other guys. And I was in a uh, meeting room with them and just kind of picking the brains of, of recruits. And, you know, like, I don't, some of those kids at this point in the process, like, I don't think they're really thinking about taking 15 official visits or whatnot. I think a lot of these guys are kind of down to four or five schools. They want to take their visits and then they want to be over with it. Now, there are some kids out there that you ask about the unlimited official visits and their eyes light up. And it seems like they could take eight, nine, ten. Um, I don't know who the first recruit that's going to be able to do it. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how, how colleges uh, handle that. We talked about that on the last on the last podcast. Maybe it's how these big companies kind of view unlimited vacation. At the end of the day, their employees don't take as much vacation as if they had, hey, you got two to three weeks off. So they end up saving money in the long run. I'm not going to give the NCAA that much credit, (laughs) you know, but. Okay. Another, you're running a recruiting department. I mean, if you're a kid's ninth official visit, are you going to be fired up about that? It's all circumstantial, right? But at, at the same time, like, what do we always say, Andrew? Recruits tell you who they are. You just got to listen. If you're on your ninth OV, that's telling me something. You know, we talk about this recruiting process and the way that it is now. And it's like, you know, you got to do what you got to do or get off the pot. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> so. Yep, yep, yep. All right, a couple more here. Um, Jaden Bradford, who I got to see at the Elite 11 Atlanta Regional and somehow left out of my article. <laughs> Rookie move. I'm glad that you kind of picked up the slack on that, but he, he had a really solid day. South Carolina transplant went 6-7 in the scrimmage, 61 yards. He also had an INT. Drew, I'm kind of – I'm not shocked, but – the schools in consideration, Cincinnati, Syracuse, UAB, FAU. I mean, it seems about right. But, I mean, if you're UAB, FAU, Syracuse, Cincinnati, he seems like he'd be a really value add. I agree. I think the knock on him is he's, you know, how tall is he, right? He's like, he's under six one, And he doesn't have this physically mature frame. Right, right. But he can run the football. I don't know if you've how much how much exposure you've had to him. He can run the football. I thought he was dialed in. I mean, he he can throw a tight, accurate spiral. I mean, he he can hit his marks. So I don't know if schools are going to pivot to him. He was linked to South Carolina early on. He was linked to Penn State early on. Both those schools seems like they have gone in other directions, but. If I'm him, I'd, I'd probably wait this thing out and see uh, how the dominoes fall and then have a, a really big senior season and, and parlay that into a spot somewhere. Syracuse and, and Cincinnati would both be fun fits. And then UAB, Trent Dilfer is now there, right? Mr. Dilfer. I mean, you want to go learn from him. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. He's got a Super Bowl to his name for sure. All right. Winston Watkins, Colorado commit, 2025. Interested to see what you think about him. Another guy that, Drew, I think you and I are just trying to figure out, Jonathan Eccles. Yeah. Well, let's start with Eccles. This same scrimmage last year, he played at, He was playing defense, edge rusher. He had like three sacks. And I came out of that, and I was like, this is the guy. 
you know, he's long. He's got a monster wingspan. His L, his three cone L drill is like, I want to say it's like sub sub seven. I mean, it's it's an elite time, and and those are kind of the key markers for young edge players. And then he's just continues to build himself as a tight end and took a little uh like out route where they schemed it up play action and, and catch and run for 20 yards. Um, that was probably one of the best plays I've seen him make on offense. And I've had a ton of exposure to him. I just, I, I don't see the tight end with him. I don't see it. He doesn't feel like um, the other tight ends that Tennessee has brought in Ethan Davis. Uh, they just got the kid from, from England. Um, recently as well so we'll see uh, interested to see what happens in that recruitment now like there's a ton of a ton of clay to mold to steal a term from you but i mean isn't kind of an entry level blocker you know and you would like to see more production i'm not I'm not saying that's a huge indicator for the tight end position but you know it's like why isn't he more involved i mean you andrew i this was a guy you and I thought was one of the best athletes in the country. I know. It's like, what happened? He's well, he, still, either like, got, he either got some bad advice or there's people enabling him to play a position that long-term doesn't serve his best interest. I mean, you come off a performance where you had three sacks, you have all that in your body, you're a prototypical 3-4 stand-up edge, and then you're to move to the offensive side of the ball? Well, when he was a freshman, he did play some quarterback. Um, I don't know. We'll see. He he is he is by far one of the most interesting evaluations in this twenty four cycle. I hope they I hope they sit him down when he gets to Knoxville and say, "This is the way it's going to go." You're playing defense anyway. Jeray Hawkins, transplant from West Virginia. 10-3-7 in the 100-meter dash, Drew. We talked about you were a little concerned whether or not he'd actually be Florida fast. <laughs> yeah, I, what I said it, I said him at the pro day. I'm like, I can't, I can't remember our conversation. He didn't like, like that. Yeah, he, I, yeah, something about like, oh, he's like, I'm fast. I'm like, well, you know, the kids in Florida are fast too. And I think he's proceeded to like win a, win a few track meets. Um, he's kind of a gadget guy. I mean, he's 5'10". Heard him tell a certain wide receiver coach on the sidelines that he's 165 pounds. I might be a little embellished. Um, someone you're gonna have to scheme touches up to. They they try to get him the ball on some drag routes and and whatnot. And um, I mean, IMG's defense is obviously fast, so he wasn't really able to spring one free. Um, what's what did like? I know you just you watched him. He's kind of like a, a gadget guy, right? Well, I think you said it. I, I had a day three grade on him, which means he would have been more than likely outside of the top 150. I think he is dynamic. He's dynamic in space. The verified speed shows up in his play speed. He's a little bit slight. I do think there's more there than what we've seen. But I, 
I like the player. I mean, I think you can get him involved heavily in the return game, special teams wise. And I think from a utility standpoint, like you said, you just you're going to have to find ways to get him some touches because he is undersized. I think if he can run a deep route, and I don't really know based on 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 last night, like if he can if he can beat a corner and a safety on a post, then I absolutely get it. And give you, you can and, do that, and give you that element, but right. at a high degree. Um, and on, on with him, I, official visit set to Florida and Penn State here in the month of June. All right, let's round it out. Twenty twenty six, Amari Jones, defensive back. Drew, kind of caught your eye there, and then Dylan Worthen, twenty twenty five, edge rusher. Yeah, two young players. I mean, we don't have to talk much about them at all. Uh, Amari, Amari Jones, excuse me, is going to be a name to know, right? He'll be at IMG for a few years, long kid. He's the one that picked off Bradford. And then Dylan Worthen, um, <laughs> you know, I, I have coaching contacts, and I, I was texting a few of them. I'm like, I don't know if this guy's going to go to a top 25 program, but he's got something as an edge player. So certain schools, I was saying, hey, definitely uh, – Definitely take a look at him because you might have a chance at him, right? You know, I don't think you want your entire edge room to be under under six three, but if you got one guy, you can make it work. Drew, how are we feeling about the? Uh, tell the people how we're feeling about the two thousand twenty four top two four seven update. <laughs> it's uh, it's coming together. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like it's a down cycle? Hundred percent. I just it it's not about us at all. It's, it's fascinating. I wish I wish we had a way of being able to explain it. I guess I mean it, it is our job, but it's like I think that people see the rankings as so black and white, the general audience on it. And you look at our top five right now. We got Rayola at the top. And Andrew, I'm not I'm not gonna speak for us as a whole. I'll speak for me individually. You know, I've I've noted some of my concerns about Rayola being on his third program in three years. Somebody asked me a really interesting question. Where would he fit in last year's arms? Well, what'd you say? I didn't answer it. I needed some more time to think. I think it was Blair who said, Blair Blair definitely went on the record and said, hey, you know, I, I would take Rayola in terms of Over arch. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, I don't think that's, it's not even really far-fetched when it comes to the physical clay and makeup. But when we're talking about this position, there's so much more that goes into it. So in terms of where he would fit, it's hard, man. I, honestly, I don't I don't know. I mean, there, there's so many other guys, Dante Moore, Jackson Arnold, that I just feel strongly about. And then Rayola with the clay. I want to say it's a roll of the dice, but it's a little bit more of a calculated risk, right? Yeah, but you also got... A senior season of Jackson Arnold, you know, much further. I'm not along even there. talking about. I mean, it's not even. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm not even really that concerned about the, the talent makeup or the physical clay. It's just, I don't know. We'll see. I don't All right, know my, what I'm trying to say there, but anyway, <laughs> Jeremiah Smith at number two, right? We're convicted on him. Williams, Warnery. How do you how do you say the last name? Enwinery. In Winnery, I don't know. They said it on the college football recruiting show different than I had heard it, and I, I'm assuming that's the right way. And it's in Winnery, just like you said it. In Winnery, who we like physically, 
We love him. 12 sacks last season. You can see him put it together. Three. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit high. Ellis Robinson at four. What you're looking for, a prototypical corner. Sammy Brown at five, which is high for a linebacker. Last time we had one there, it was Harold Perkins. He's been a elite playmaker in his first season. I guess what I'm saying is, is somebody has to go in these spots. And it's not as black and white as saying, hey, these guys are the, the top five players in the country, but somebody's got to go. That's kind of how I feel about the top 10 in general. Like some of the guys we have in the top 10, I like them more in the teens, right? Closer to 20 than I would have them at top 10. But at the end of the day, somebody has to go in those slots. And the guys that we're betting on are the guys with the athletic upside and potential that have also showed it on the field. It's a good way to put it. Anyway, my laptop's dying. So, all right, let's get you out of here. 45 <laughs> minutes. We said we wanted 30. I don't think we're capable of doing it, but that's all right. Oh, Guys, make sure, to make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Megaphone. I don't even know who listens on Megaphone, but Megaphone, shout out. Also, leave a review. Make sure to rate the show as well. Andrew, any last words before we get you out of here? Um, no, I got nothing. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, for producer Lance Glenn, Andrew Ivins, I'm Cooper Patagno. We will see you next week. And guess what? I think I only got one show in me next week, Drew. Big day's coming. Going to the chapel, baby. Going to the chapel. Let's go. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.